Hallelujah. Um, it's so fun for me to come up here and, and, and talk to you guys. You guys have no clue. Um, I love it. Uh, it's just the only problem is I drink this water because my mouth gets dry, and then the water wants to try to come out of my eyes. It's the weirdest thing, you know? Uh, yeah, it's the weirdest thing, but when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God about that. Um, okay, so I was in the conference room, and uh, I was reading the, they got the Smith Wigglesworth and Catherine Coleman and Kenneth Hagen and Reverend Ricky, and they got the little captions below, and, uh, and under Smith Wigglesworth, he said, I'm not here to get you to a place. He says, I am not here to get you to a place where you can laugh. I'm here to get you at a place where you can laugh at the impossible. And I thought, wow. Um, he was a man of faith. And, and I was thinking about some other people of faith, uh, some great generals back in the day that were actual war generals. Uh, Arthur Wellesley, he was a, the first Duke of Wellington. He was a strong believer. And uh, he uh, went up against Napoleon, and he was, well, depending on which, which commentary you read, but he was outnumbered at least at the beginning and for most of the day. But they say, and George Washington, do you read about these guys, and they, they literally could laugh at the impossible. They were being shot at and had impossible odds, and yet they had this faith. And um, it, it's so amazing and I just, I just want to start with this. I think that in the United States, there are, there's resistance, there's, there's strongholds, there's deception. Uh, you hear about people, they go to, uh, I'm not, I don't remember who the guy was, but he talked about going over the seas and praying for blind people are healed and crippled people are coming out of the wheelchair and, and limbs are growing out. And then he said they come back to the United States and it's just difficult. And, and you see healings, and of course, now this isn't to discourage anybody, so hold on. Uh, but it was interesting, and even Jesus, you know, because when he went to Nazareth, they, they said, oh, he's just, you know, oh, that's just another church. That's just, that we know him, he's a carpenter. And I really, truly feel like, and I think this can encourage someone, I really, truly feel like we have to remember that. And we can't quit. You know, we start confessing scripture. We start standing on the word. And, and maybe it's a finance thing. And you hear like Brother Chase. And, and it, it's like, don't, don't look at him. Just, just, I mean, yeah, look at him actually. But, but <laughs> definitely look at him. But, but you know what I'm saying? I'm saying, but come hell or high water. Can you say that? Yeah. Are you allowed to say that? H-E double hockey sticks? We get to the place where you're just going to believe the word. And you're going to quit looking at the circumstances. And who cares what it says? And, and I want to talk about maybe how to get to that place tonight. Um, yeah, because I think it ties in with... Um, 2 Chronicles 16, verse 7. And uh, I don't know, five or six months ago, we talked about this a little bit. I want to go back and, and hit a little bit because I think it pertains to some of the things we're dealing with in the United States, uh, New King James. 
so um, let's start in verse 7. At, the, at that time, Hanani the seer came to, to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. And then he goes back and he's going to talk about what happened 20 years prior when he did rely upon the Lord. He says, were, were the Ethiopians and Lubin or Libyans not a huge army and with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. And then he goes on to say this great scripture. He says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And then he says, in this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. In other words, because you did it right once, but some time passed, and you had a little more, and something drifted, something happened over time, and then you relied on yourself, and you go back and read it, and God wanted to deliver the Syrians to them, so they didn't have to fight them year after year, or decade after decade. And, and this... Turn to your neighbor and say, no more wars. No more wars. The, um, you know, it's the new year, and we're going to, uh, it's going to be a great year. And it's always going to be a better year than the last, because we're faith to faith, glory to glory, right? We're seeking God, so it's always going to be a better year. I mean, that's right, but everyone says it. But if we're honest, it's the same me. It's my same thought patterns. It's my same job. It's my same coworkers. It's my same hurts. It's my same flesh. It's my same whatever. I don't want to speak too much over myself. <laughs> God. It, it, whatever it might be, right? And, 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 and so we have to think, hmm. John 10 says, uh, John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And, and we talk a lot about trials and stay in the fire and endure, 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 and just stick with it. And Oh my gosh, it's hard, but just don't give up. But there has to come a day where we got victory. There has to. You know what I mean? It can't be forever, right? But we have to look at ourselves. I mean, you know, one day we're going to drop a bag of money on pastor's feet. Come on. And it's not going to be $1 bills. They still make $2 bills, isn't they? Uh, and so I think one of the issues is this pull to self. It, it's so, uh, I was reading a book uh, a couple months, a few months ago, six months ago, and it talked about why Christians can't trust psychology. And there's this pull that we have, and I don't even think we know it in the United States, but we're so self-sufficient and it, it's such a detriment at times to really trusting God. And, and, and then with King Asa back in chapter 14, he had a million-man army came. There's over a million. And, and some translations are innumerable. So it could have been well over a million. He had nothing. And he, do I have it written here? Here it is. Uh, 2 Chronicles 14.10. So Asa went out against him, and they set the troops in battle array in the valley of Zephathath or something. And so he, he's doing what he's supposed to do in the natural, right? Okay, they're coming against me. Well, we got to go fight. We're not going to just roll over. And in verse 11, he says, And Asa, then 
Asa cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest on you, and in your name we go against this multitude. O Lord, you are God. Do not let man prevail against you. And so I think there's a good, just a good, uh, I mean, obviously he's relying on God, but you do what you can in the natural, and then we look to God for the supernatural, right? Okay. So look what happened. Uh, verse 12, so the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people who were with him pursued them to Gerar. Now, Gerar is Philistine country, by the way. So the Ethiopians were overthrown, and they could not recover, for they were broken before the Lord and his army, and they carried away very much spoil. Then they defeated all the cities around Gerar, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they plundered all the cities, for there, for there was exceedingly much spoil in them. They also attacked the livestock enclosures and carried off sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. That's really cool because King Asa starts the day, oh my gosh, wakes up, here's a innumerable army from, from Africa. And not only that, is he's got enemies all around him. And so the, this army comes up through Philistine country. God does a great deliverance. They chase him through Philistine country and then wipe out the Philistines. All because they relied upon God. Okay. Hang on. Verse, uh, now we're chapter 16, verse 1. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, so it's about 21 years later. And by the way, you go back to chapter 15, and after the great victory and all the spoil, a prophet came and said, hey, stick with God or you're going to be in trouble. So King Asa says, yeah, we just had a great victory. So they did, they did all these um, sacrifices. They took down the, you know, the idols and the shrines or whatever. They, they made vows. They made covenants with God. They got really on fire for God. It even says they're going to kill anyone who didn't seek God. Eh. It's one way to have a small church, you know, uh, or a dedicated church. So, so that was what happened shortly after the great victory, and then 20 years passed. Remember, he had great spoil, right? In the, in Bosch, so in the 36th year, this is verse uh, 16, verse 1. In the, in the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah. So they're building a city to siege, that he might let none go out or come in. Uh, verse 2, then Asa brought silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, let there be a treaty between you and me as there was between my father and your father. See, I have sent you silver and gold. Come, break your treaty with the king of Israel so that he will withdraw from me. But he didn't seek the Lord. He figured this out. He says, okay, I've got some silver and gold. Uh, what can I finagle? Oh, yeah, I remember my dad did this. Right? So we rely upon ourselves. We rely upon what we know. We rely, rely upon what our family did. We rely upon what we, what's familiar to us. And now we have future wars. God wanted to, him to keep the silver and gold and to take out Israel and Syria and have no more wars with Syria. And if you read, there were more wars. And, and, and um, uh, 
trying to figure out how this flowed into that. So, it, so if we want victory, there's this, there's this self-sufficiency that we're going to have to deal with. Um, this focus on self, you know, we, we, we want to get, we want to be set. It's like my retirement account and I got my job. And, you know, Pastor Gene talked about his, his parents, his, I think it was dad said, get one of those government jobs because you're going to have, you know, good health insurance and you want to make sure everything's set. And, and, and then we grow up in this idea, well, we, we almost sometimes worship our kids and you have a destiny and you have a calling. I believe we all have a calling if we seek God. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to take away from anyone's calling, but you know what I mean? And we, we get this thing where it's all about me. And, and this started in the Garden of Eden. You know, and, and as soon as sin came in, what did Adam and Eve do? You know? Oh, my gosh. We got to fix this. So they take off running through the jungle, right? And Eve, of course, is now sees that she's naked, so she's looking to cover herself. And Adam's, Adam's going, hold on. <laughs> you know, where are you going? So how they come up with fig leaves, I mean, think about that. Have you ever touched a fig leaf? Ooh. They are not, you know, but that's what they could do, right? Now God comes along, and we know the story. God comes along and says, no, no. There's not a quick fix here. Something's got to die. And he kills the animal, and he does the thing. But that was the beginning. And, you know, sometimes, like I said at the beginning, got, there's got to come a day where we have victory, right, you know? And, and the, there might come a day where that five-minute devotional to God in the morning is kind of like a fig leaf. It's kind of like... In the society we live with, with the demonic, the deception that's out there against the, the mindsets that, you know, we were raised that money's hard to come by and, you know, you got to work your finger to the bone. Some of those things, you know, it just, and it's not that we're not earning God's love by, oh, God says, Austin read his Bible. He prayed for an hour today. Jesus, go back up on that cross and, die, and, and, go, and go take his sickness away. Go take his poverty away. It's already been done. We don't earn God's favor by our, I'm going to seek him more. But we get to a place of faith, right? So uh, this book was interesting. Psychology versus Jesus. Psychology, the world's way will tell you, follow your heart. Right? If it feels good, do it. My Lord. How many of us could go back and change some things and some mistakes on that lie? Okay. Jesus said, lay down your life for me. The world psychology says, take care of yourself. Focus on yourself. Jesus said, serve others. Focus on God. You know? My destiny, my soulmate, my legacy, my dreams versus... Lord, I give you permission to interrupt me today and send someone my way that I can bless. I give you permission to interrupt me for you. And it's a mindset that we just sometimes get away from. Quick disclaimer. 
I think we're going to have a couple disclaimers. If you're seeing a psychologist, if you're taking meds or whatever, I'm not telling you to quit or whatever. And, you know, maybe share. <laughs> maybe share with us. But, um, no, that's not, that's not even a joke, actually. Uh, but, the, but the main thing is, Guys, might want to edit a little bit. <laughs> the main thing is, if we if we're always focused on us, we will never be happy. And and then what the psychologist tells you that you're going to have to deal with this the rest of your life, and you're going to have to take these meds the rest of your life. They're right. If you focus on yourself the rest of your life, right? And so I just wanted to I just wanted to start this by talking about one of these poles that's that's just in our society so strong. And sometimes I think we don't realize it. <clears throat> and so the fruit of this system of relying on self and looking to ourselves is religion instead of relationship. It's self-righteousness, a form of godliness that denies the power. It's a place where we carry burdens and stress. We carry the weight of the world then we wonder why after a while our bodies wear out or disease comes, you know. Um, it's a place where we exhaust our, our resources, our time, our money, our health, our relationships. And, of course, we know God, godly prosperity, God brings prosperity, no sorrow with it, no toil with it, his way. <clears throat> okay. You know, King Asa t took his silver and gold, and, and I think about this. He took his silver and gold, and he used it to hire a pagan foreign army. And I sometimes think about uh, going to the bank for a loan. You know, kinda, it's kind of the world. So it's not wrong to get a loan from a bank. In fact, you'd be wise and be led by the Holy Ghost and leverage, and you can... People have made tons of money and done smart things financially. I think it's great. But for me, I'm trying to get to a place, and I think I have, but um, I always want to give God a chance first. I don't care how impossible it looks. I don't care. You know, I, I just want to give him a chance and be led by the Holy Ghost. You know what I'm saying? So... Okay. Reliance, a little more fruit of self, and then we're going to move on. We talked about toil, toil, burnout, fatigue, future wars, not getting to the root of a problem, constantly dealing with the same year after year after year in our own strength, right? We're going to get to some good news, I promise. If you're single, don't look for your soulmate. Look for someone so focused on God that they don't even notice you. I read this quote the other day. It was in a house on a picture. Frank, Frank Sinatra, he's in a quote. He says, I feel sorry for people who don't drink because when they wake up in the morning, that's the best they will feel all day. Now, think about that. In the world, 
That's pretty true, probably. Right? So why did I say that? And that's what I'm trying to figure out right now. <laughs> I'm not joking. It's in there. It's right there. It's highlighted. OK, so how do we? So OK, how do we get to that place in the world we live in to where we rely on ourselves each and every day? That's where we're going, right? Because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. He said, we're not the Ethiopians and Libyans, a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen. Yet, because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. Rely means to rest with confidence. Rely means to be in faith, trusting God. And everything's pulling us to trust in what we can see and touch. Okay, I think we've, I think we've beat that uh, enough. So how do we stay there? How do we get there? It's a new year. Praise God. Last year was fine. Um, we don't get there by willpower. We don't get there by saying, I'm going to try harder. And we don't get there by beating ourselves up. It, it, it's, we, we, re, we read the Bible and, you know, let's give with a cheerful heart. And it's just, you can't just willpower giving with a cheerful heart. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit gossiping. And I'm just, I'm just going to put, I'm, you know what I mean? It's just hard. It's just some things require something more. Psalm 118, 6 through 9. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes, confidence in my bank account, confidence in the government. It's better to, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in my religious routine. Okay? Psalm 118, uh, Psalm 118, 20, jump to verse 21. I will praise you, for you have answered me have be, and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is Old Testament prophecy about Jesus. Verse 23, this was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. What day is he talking about? He's prophesying. This is the day the Lord has made. They're prophesying about the day Jesus came to become our salvation. But we'll say, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice. You know, I've done that before. This is the day. But, by the way, this, this Old Testament scripture is quoted heavily in the New Testament, obviously. Um, we can't... Do you remember when you were saved? When we got, came to believe, everyone remember that day? Do you remember the incredible love of God that you experienced that day? That's what, that's what Jesus did. 
and this is, this is one of the ways we should never lose the revelation of that love. But again, I think we're getting there. How do we get there? I've been a believer 35 years. Christina and I started coming here about seven, seven and a half years ago. Shortly after we got here, we were in a big pickle financially, and um, we had kind of switched roles where now I was going to earn the money, and Christina wasn't going to work as much, and we were in faith about it, and we got to a position where I had a big deal that canceled and ran up my credit cards and because I want to pay people. I don't want to be a bad witness, but I had to run up my cards and, and pay, and then I'm, now I'm two and a half weeks away from not being able to pay. In my business, it can take months to, uh, I mean months, I can meet someone and I've met people and they want to buy a house and it's been five years later sometimes. I mean, praise God, you know? And then sometimes it's real quick, you know, maybe a few weeks and then after the few weeks, 30 days to close. You know what I mean? A couple months usually. And I decided to pray like Pastor Gene said, because I just heard him say it once. We hadn't been coming here long. He said, put pressure on the covenant. And I thought, Lord, okay. I do what my pastor said. Uh, I need a deal to close in two weeks. I'd never had one close in two weeks. And then I put some of, uh, you know, uh, faith without corresponding action is dead. So I put some corresponding action behind it and found a couple of old clients that I was pretty sure were never going to do anything. And I, I looked at a house for one, and I said, he says he wants to see it. And he saw it and, and he put an offer on it, and, and everything was looking good. He said, when should the close date be? I said, two weeks. <laughs> He had cash, you know, like two weeks. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> but I want to cut, I want to cut, there's lots to that story, but I was struggling because, you know, 10 days, you can get out of it. We're going to meet on Monday. He told me on Saturday he wants to get out of the deal. He doesn't want to do the deal. And he's going to sign the paper on Monday, and then four days later it would have closed, but he's going to cancel the deal. And I was struggling. I mean, I just was confessing. I had, I had, I was anxious. I just couldn't get into faith, and I asked the Lord for this dream because I said, Lord, I, I just can't do it. He gave me this dream. I woke up, and it was at the end of the dream, I was hugging my daughter, and she was crying because I was like a captive, like, I don't know, a prisoner, and she saw me, and she came up, and she cried, and I hugged her, and I was crying too, and I woke up. Later in the night, I'm like, Lord, you got to show me what that dream was. I asked you for a dream, but that was weird, and I remembered, I said, I said, because <laughs> Spock was in it. Some of you have heard it. I think I told the usher Spock was in it, and he was, like, doing stuff on me. Like, Anyway, I woke up in the... I, I, I was up that night, and it was Sunday night, and I got to go meet. Monday morning, he's going to sign... He's gonna, I'm going to meet him first. He's going to sign that he wants to cancel the deal, and whatever. And I remembered, I said to my daughter, I said, do you know your daddy loves you? And that's the dream God gave me. And I remembered, I'm like, how in the world... Is Satan going to distract me enough, 35 years later, being a believer, that I'm going to forget the love of God? How? That's what we're dealing with. It happens. I woke up that morning uh, on a cloud. Pray, uh, the love of God was so thick. I, I went in there. I'm like, here, here, sign, can here, cancel. I could have cared less. We'll pay the bills. We'll move into whatever. We'll, whatever. I don't know what we're going to have to pay the bills. 
whatever. And the guy looks at me and he goes, what do you think? I'm like, oh, um, well, I think the house is great. I think you're crazy. No. I could have cared less, guys. I acted differently in the love of God. I acted differently. I was a different creature in his love. To know the love of God which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think. How do we get out of the love of God? And, and, and then expect to prosper, to change the world. And so then we go out, well, I'm jumping ahead. And the guy said, okay, let's do it. Now, here's the deal. I had people to go to for that money that would have gladly given me plenty of money, covered me for a few months. I could have went to them. They wouldn't have thought twice. My biological dad, I had been helping him and taking him and we, you know, taking five hours out of the day a couple days a week and taking him to get his feet, you know, and took him to the doctor and it was just an ordeal. And my older brother said, uh, hey, I'll write you a check. You've been doing so much. I'll write you a check for 10 grand, whatever you need, because he, he controlled the money. He says, you've been doing so much, and something in me just wasn't right. Pastor said, put pressure on the covenant. And so I got on my knees. I said, Lord, I need to build a closing tool. I said, I've never had one. I, I didn't have any clients I'm working with right now. But here's the deal. No more wars. We haven't, we haven't struggled in that area to pay bills since that day. No more wars. Now, we've had financial, other financial breakthroughs, and we've come a lot. We've paid off since then. We've paid debt. We've, we've had plenty of opportunities to apply faith and to sow, and it hasn't been like a cakewalk. But we have not had that war since. But something, everything in us wants to pull like King Asa. Holy cow. It didn't matter that God had come through in the past because here I am today and I'm not in the love of God. Somehow I got distracted. And so um, how do we have this? Um, I just undid all those during that. So hold on. Frank Sinatra. Nope, stay away from him. Uh, yeah. Hanani must have been an Italian prophet. I had a baseball coach. So Psalms 118, never forget that day. I had a baseball coach. Uh, uh, I was in the minor leagues for eight years. I don't recommend it. Um, <laughs> I'm healed and whole now. So praise God. Um, and he was different than all the other coaches, probably in those eight years. And sometimes you play with two different coaches during the season, and it just depends, and you can get moved. I probably had 11, 12 coaches during that time, and he was so different than the others because in professional baseball, it was such a grind. We'd play 140. There was one period where I played 43 games in 42 days or 41 days. You mean literally double headers and, and just not a day off, and then you're on a bus all night. You're in the minor leagues, the low minors. And, well, any minors except AAA, you're on the bus. And it was such a grind that, you, you know, you had practice before the game, and you're in Augusta, Georgia, and it's 100 degrees with 100% humidity. 
and you just kind of go through the motions because you just because the practice don't matter. I mean, there were guys that could play in practice that could never play in the game, and they never went anywhere. It didn't matter. The only thing that mattered was the game, and, the, and it was serious because you're you're making eight hundred dollars a month. Okay, in Augusta it was eight fifty maybe nine hundred maybe. That's just for five months, then go home and get a job. So. You're, 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 the, everything was about the game, and this guy was completely different. And he said, listen, guys, we're going to take practice seriously because everyone's uptight in the game. Everyone's trying really hard in the game. Everyone is, I mean, everything's on the line. You can be a millionaire. I mean, there was one point they said, if so-and-so gets injured, you're going to Pittsburgh. I was like, whoa, I just turned 22. I mean... It was like, it put pressure on me, and it didn't actually, I, you know, I couldn't handle it all, really. I got it, you know, it was just a mess, but, but it was like that close to going to the, the show, right? And, and so there's this pressure, and he had teams that always won. And so we're sitting on the pitcher's mound, it's spring training, and he's telling us, it's like a foreign language to me. He's like, we're going to do little things we're going to take the time with the things we can control. We're going to be ready so when we go out into the game, when we go out into the real world, our job, where there's coworkers, people going to hell, sick people, and we're going to have a ball. So... He got, if you, if you don't understand sports, if, if, I'm, if, a, if a coach can get their, all their, however many players are on it, depending on which sport, if he can get all their players playing at their highest level, they're going to win. And this guy always won. And what I learned is we went into the games prepared and we had a ball. And we kind of have it backwards. Uh, at least I did. You know, we'd kind of pray, we'd read our Bible. And that's, you try to do that early in the day in the morning, start the day, and okay, cool. And then we go, okay, I got to have faith, I got to succeed, I got to prosper, I got to. And then we beat ourselves up and we're hitting our head against the hammer. And we're trying harder, and we're trying harder, and we're trying harder, and we missed it. Because the important part, we thought the important part was prospering at our job. The important part was getting in the love of Christ. And whatever it takes to get there. If I got to wake up a little earlier, I don't care. And again, not earning God's favor. He loves us. Jesus already went to the cross. He already did it. But we have our part to play. And... Um, and so maybe this is a good New Year's message, maybe. Right, New Year? So we kind of got it flip-flop, and we'll beat ourselves up. It'd be like this. You got to give a speech, and you're up there, and you're really nervous. Why are you really nervous? Because you probably didn't prepare like you could have. So we're on this team, and this guy, we are having a ball winning games. Uh, I didn't stay on the team that whole year. Uh, they let me go. Which, 
what they were thinking. <laughs> Actually, I was batting third and playing shortstop, having a ball, playing really well. But that's another story, but it's, once you, yeah, we're not going to go there. Uh, and I went to another team and, and played the rest of that season. That team ended up, we didn't have a good team. Uh, won like the third, first 13 out of 15 games, I think. Um, and in baseball, that just doesn't happen. But they won the championship that year. This coach went to the major leagues, and they won the World Series. Now with like 36, you know how hard it is to win. I mean, it's like, my gosh. They won the World Series in 2010, 2012, and 2014. This guy understood something nobody understood. And everybody went out later and just played to the best of their ability, not stressed out, not toil, not, oh, my gosh, i got to have more faith. i got to try harder. They just understood the concept. In some days, it might be five minutes. But those five minutes I'm spending with God is everything. You know what I mean? It might be two hours. And King Asa, something, something slipped. Something slipped in those 20 years. Something slipped. And um, we have our part to play. It, remember, remember in Hebrews it says, uh, labor to enter his rest. You can't, it takes faith to be in rest. We are to labor to get into his rest. We are, we, if they were going to work hard on one thing. Okay. Sometimes, um, sometimes it's just pastor preaches on something and be sensitive to the Holy Ghost because if you're just feeling a little pull, mm -hmm. go back mm -hmm. and listen. Yep. Mm -hmm. I had one situation years ago where I listened to Well, I had it with many sermons over and over, but one was an LPCU teaching pastor did. And I listened to it for months on end. And I literally fell on my face when I got it eight months later. I knew there was something there I wasn't getting. Not everyone. Now, I've missed it. Many, I don't want to know how many times. But not everyone. Uh, how do you say? Will value the revelation? Or whatever. Yeah. I know I never used to. Yeah. Uh, and so God's done his part. Uh, it's priceless treasure. Genesis 32, verse 3. Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the, the country of Edom. So Jacob had, Jacob had sold the birthright from Esau, tricked him. Uh, then he fled and went to be with Laban and got a couple wives and worked for 14 years. Now he's coming back. He's very wealthy. He's got children, wives, the whole deal. And um, he's going to he's gonna meet Esau, his brother, who he figures is going to kill him. 
right? Uh, 32, verses 22, he says, And he arose that night, took his two wives, two female servants, his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go for the day breaks. But he said, Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. So Jacob sitting there says, Lord, I mean, he, he brought over spoil for his brother. I mean, he's going to butter him up and... He's going to give him tons of stuff. And then his whole family's going to go first. And then he had a plan for, if you read it, he had a plan for them to escape. If he goes this way, you guys go this. I mean, he had this worked out in the natural. He had it worked out. But now he's had an opportunity to be face-to-face with God. Because he even said, I've, I've been face-to-face with, with God and I survived. He had an opportunity to be face-to-face with God, and he wouldn't quit. He said, Lord, I've, I've, I've done, this is me talking, not him, but he said, Lord, I've, I've done all I know how to do in the natural. I'm tired of this fear of my brother. I'm tired of this problem. I've been struggling with this for years. I'm tired of this scarcity mentality. I'm tired of this strife. I'm tired of this fear. And I am not going to step out of my house today until if I've got to come back tomorrow, I don't care. If I have to seek you every morning, I am going to rely upon you If I need to meditate on that scripture a hundred times a day for the rest of my life, I don't care. But when I get out into that ugly world that's trying to steal my faith, it's not going to be hard anymore. It's not going to be stressful because I prepared. I connected with the one on the inside. And I refuse to live another day like that. Because he already did it. So the balance between, you know, he's already done it. By grace, are you saved through faith? The grace means it's already done. Our part is, let's obtain it by faith. The prep time... I remember the coach, you know, you're going through, again, you're going through the motions. In spring training, you've got these, these, these drills you do. You know, you've got, like, bunt defense, okay? We get in this situation. Now, baseball's changed now. The, the people are bigger, and the parks are smaller. So it's all about the home runs, and they made the bases bigger, so now people are, have a little more, you know, and they have rules for pickoffs. So now you can steal bases. They're trying to keep base stealing because that's exciting. 
But baseball's totally changed. But this is way back. We're talking about early 90s, uh, late 80s, I'm talking. The game was totally different. And you'd work on bunt defense. And it just you always do it. And this one coach would just make sure we had it. He wouldn't move on. He said, you guys, this is going to win us games. This is going to make us where we have the lead. This is going to keep us where most of the games we're in the lead. This is going to help us. This is going to help us where we are playing loose. We're not going to be under the. We're not going to be trying to always come from behind. We're not going to always be behind the eight ball. We're not going to always be paycheck to paycheck. And I never forget this guy. It was foreign. It didn't matter. Practice. Go through the routine. Get it done. Play the game that night, and that's when it counts. It was unbelievable. And, you know, you think about the prep time. The prep time. You know, we're communicating with the God who spoke and created not trillions of stars, trillions of galaxies that have trillions of stars. And we, we, if we understand the process, <clears throat> the process, we can um, walk on this earth um, like we're supposed to. And it's not going to be so hard. And so, I don't know about you, but I encourage myself to um, seek him each day. If I got five minutes or two hours. So, hallelujah. God is good. Should we pray? Oh, Father, thank you, Father, for your word. Lord, you are... Lord, I just, I just repent for myself for, forget, for forgetting... That night, Lord, that you became everything for me. That you, that I, the night I realized you were, you were my Lord. Lord, that, that should never happen, Lord. I just thank you for every, every person in here tonight, Lord. As we seek you this year, as we trust in you, as we take the time to communicate with you, as we take the time to meditate on your word, Lord, I just pray that, yeah, 2023, 2024, will be the best year that we've had from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And, Father, that you would do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think by the power that works in us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Praise God. and.